So I said, yes, Jesus, if this is what you want, I'm in. But can I tell you, this kind of sounds weird to me. I, I mean, I guess the story of Jonathan and David, David being knit together is a story of, of brotherly love. So how c- bad could this be? you're listening to cool and unusual punishment presents chosen this is episode five my name is tyler and joining me as always jody how are you as always, I'm good. What are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're starting the first episode about knitting. Of what I've heard so far, it's one of the weirder things yes. I've mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to share with you some undeniably weird things about it. And like I said, there's going to be some personal stories upcoming that tie back to this but for tonight we're just going to lay the groundwork on what exactly knitting is and also some of the well pretty shocking and crazy things that people did with this practice before we get started let's just once again remind everybody that we are discussing something that happened at valley brook church during a very specific period of time which came to a head in 2015. This is not a reflection or comment on Valley Brook presently. I don't know what they're doing, and that's not what this is about. Okay? Gotcha. All right, knitting... In its most general term, just to get us started, is the idea that there are these bonds that are closer than like spousal bonds or family bonds, family of origin type bonds, okay? So there was this leader telegram article that came out. We'll, of course, share a link to it. And it was when things had kind of imploded. This came out on April 19th of 2015, and it was called, In God's Name, Highly Critical Report Targets Eau Claire Evangelical Church. There is some stuff about knitting in this article that I thought was was helpful for us. Um, Here's what's funny, though, okay? So the person featured in this article is a former chair of the UWEC Philosophy and Religious Studies Department, right? This person had been told by a student, somebody I've talked to, reached out to this professor and said, I am seeing red flag problems at Valley Brook. What do you think about this? And that professor chair dismissed them. And then they were interviewed for this article, right? Which, in the capacity of what I'm going to read here, doesn't write them off as as not being knowledgeable about it. Yeah. But, you know, I guess you can speak to cults. Once it's called out as, 
Well, I'm assuming their contribution to the article is that I don't see any problems here. (laughs) Not sure why you're talking to me. But, you know, keep that in mind that it's a small world. And also that at one point this person was not like, yes, there's that is a problem, you know. So the part that's relevant to us every now and then this chair has heard of small non-denominational congregations that make too much of the knitting concept, which she said comes from a misinterpretation of a Bible passage. That Bible passage is generally 1 Samuel 18.1, which you kindly found for me earlier. And that reads, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Okay, she goes on to say it's making way too much of a passing phrase. Mary Clark, the former Valley Brook assistant pastor, maintained the concept was not new to her, although she previously had not heard the term knitting associated with it. In the churches I grew up in, there were often older, more mature Christians that came alongside younger believers, Clark said, we would have called that spiritual parenting or mentorship. Well, okay, it starts with Nate and Doug becoming knit together. Here's where the story begins. Uh, One night Jesus got me out of bed, had me get my Bible, took me downstairs, and he told me something that I was not prepared to hear. He had me open my Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 20 to the story of how God knit Jonathan and David's hearts together as one. And then he told me, that's what I'm about to do with you, Doug. I am going to knit your heart to the heart of another person. And that person is Nate Hagedorn. I was stunned. I mean, no offense to Nate, but kind of. Because, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. None taken. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I love this guy, but not enough to have him permanently knit to my heart. Because I know the story of Jonathan and David. There's no break from their knittedness until Jonathan dies. However, they were not the only people that become knit together. Yes, generally speaking, it was staff or somebody with some status. Right. Well, see, that's my other question is... When Mary Clark talked about it, about how we would call it spiritual parentship or whatever, like it sounded the way she was describing it as like a mentor mentee relationship. Whereas when Doug is talking about it, he doesn't speci- like he is status wise above Nate in sort of a mentor position, but he doesn't suggest that like the knitting relationship has anything to do with mentorship. It's just God knitting two souls together for some ineffable reason. The story of Jonathan and David David being knit together is a story of of brotherly love. So how bad could this be? (laughs) Bad. A lot worse than I thought. How do you know for instance, in this story, that God has really knit your heart to the heart of another person. You know how you know? On the days that you don't want it. On the days that you want to get away from the other person at all costs. On the days that you want it to be over, but it's not, those are the days you know. Because you can physically distance yourself and you cannot talk to each other all day long. 
And then you can still feel that knitting on your heart on the inside. And it's like your whole life is cursed until you repent and start loving the other person that you're called to love again. So we've had a few of those days over the last 10 months. People ever talk to you about the story of Jonathan and David in the Bible and they smile? Don't believe them. They have no idea what they're talking about, okay? Because having your heart knit to another person by God means that you have to share everything. And not only that, but there's this big bother about his relationship with me. Why are we so close? Why do we do life together? I believe the current question that's in vogue is, what's up with Doug and Nate? I think I hear what you're saying there. Uh, I believe what she was trying to do was say that when I grew up in churches, there was something more on the lines of mentor, mentee. These are the kind of relationships that you would have yeah. in, in place of something like, like this. Like I had never heard of knitting, but we did have mentors, gotcha. like okay. that gotcha. kind of thing. You know, of course, she was one of the people that was knit with somebody. So, you know. So there were several pairs of people that were knit. Okay, there was one pair that required an intervention. There was one pair that involved a pastor that is still at Valley Brook. And then there was one pair which involved a grown man, like grown man, with an 18-year-old girl who was referred to as his daughter. She is still to this day in his Facebook featured photos. It's an old photo, but it's still there. To give you an idea of the sort, like how this relationship was presented to other people, what I'm looking at, what you can see are a bunch of Facebook statuses. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm not going to share these because I don't want to reveal. Right. Sorry, before you do this, um, I know it's unusual, but is there a, 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 a basis for knitting in, in that, no. that, that comes from some other historical small, like no s- sect of, okay. I that's didn't know if the there was problem. like, here's the thing, here's where knitting started. No, that's the problem. Like you really have to just talk about it through action because this is not. Okay. I mean, maybe there's like three other churches. I don't know. This was something that for all purposes was an idea that Doug got. Yeah. And also I have read that that Bible verse that he uses is often used by places where spiritual abuse occurs. People will misuse this. Yeah, so yeah. So it's not like, oh, knitting is a underground thing that people... Like, that phrase in itself is used to... Can be misused to justify inappropriate dynamic relationship yes. dynamics, yeah. it broadly speaking. Yeah, like gotcha. if you Google knitting, yes. you're not going <laughs> to find like 5 million hits right, right. on this. You know, that's why it's hard to explain... You know, there's not like books about it. Yeah, yeah. So you just have to like understand when we talk about people that were knit together, 
and imagine a knitted relationship so intense that it, an intervention is required. It, it does seem like uh, the rules aren't really clear. It's not like this is an established thing. But what we do understand is that this relationship is more intense than maybe your marriage or your family relationships. Like any kind of love you thought you had, this is more powerful. And that's kind of all we know for sure about yeah. how these relationships work. Yeah, that and seems Nate says very that dangerous. in that sermon, it's the first person you talk to in the morning. Hey, look, I love my wife, but... for us, Because what is it? <laughs> Can you imagine being knit to somebody else? You might think you're... I thought I was knit to my wife, not until I realized I was knit to him. I love my wife and she loves me and we are close. But but this is different. This is God. This is this does not happen every day. So it's it's interesting even just talking about it right now. I'm like, what in the world am I talking about? This is what God has done. So God has in us together. That means we lead together, we share life together. We carry the weight of this calling of this church together because God has called us to. As creepy or as weird or as unusual as it is, it's not. It's a biblical model of what the church is supposed to look like, especially church leadership. When God does something new and unusual, we attack it and we start saying bad things and we start believing lies about what it is. There's nothing fishy going on here. It's just two brothers caring and loving for each other the way they're supposed to. I would have never thought that's what it was supposed to look like for how selfish I was. But we're called to that kind of love, you guys. We're called to a greater love than the love you even know right now, than the love you know with your spouse, than the love you know with your kids. There is something bigger that we don't even get. So what's up with Doug and Nate? This is what's up with Doug and Nate. He, God, God knit our hearts together. I mean, that's a huge commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And think of the other people in your life, like a wife or children, uh, f- other family, like where do they fit into that then? You know, I mean, it's a big ask. Yeah. To be like, are you cool with this? But okay. So as I mentioned, one of the knitted pairs is a grown man knitted to an 18 year old young woman. And it's a father-daughter relationship. You mean in in terms of its dynamic, not an actual father? Right. Da- yes. Okay. She had different a different yeah. family. So these are the sorts of things that were posted on Facebook. Went to Target and saw my daddy. The response from the father figure is, "Seeing you did my heart good. I love you, dear." Okay. Looking forward to daddy-daughter time with the beautiful redacted today. Love that girl. Love you too. And then somebody else says, you have a daughter? And the response is, yes, I do. Not officially, but I do nonetheless. Another one. It's a photo and says, the beautiful birthday girl. We love her tons. I mean, I will show you. Like, this is not a little girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a young... It's Yeah, it, yeah. Like, you know, this is... Look, <sighs> like I said, obviously this is uncharted territory, but, like, that is not a, a young... That is not a child. No. Okay. Right. I mean, it's difficult to not be weirded out by it. And 
that's not his daughter. Well, also, I mean, we know so little about what it means to be knit, aside from what Doug maybe says in sermons, you know, or Nate. Like, their relationship probably wasn't like this. So, like, what does this even mean? Like, okay, he just has this weird parental relationship with someone in his church. That's what this knitting relationship seems to mean. And I get, like, that's not what Doug and Nate's was. So, like, what? I don't know. There, there needs to be like uh, uh, some some written down to define this because we're in a bad place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can you imagine being friends with this guy and suddenly he's like referring to like a daddy daughter time and you see this like young woman and you're like, who in the heck is this? Yeah, and it's not. I mean, then then it's like suggested there that it's like an adoption or something, and then also it's like who's her family like because you know well and as listeners maybe have figured out just from like the beginning when I read that report we are going to get to the part where there is like a course that people took the wounded course and that was a way in which a lot of people identified really quite frankly incorrectly that their families were their enemies and stuff and you know was that what happened there space for maybe yeah like oh hey you know like you've identified your family as somebody that you is bad or can't be trusted or whatever not that sometimes that wasn't the case i'm sure that there were people who had real issues you know i don't know what the backstory is here but you know Let's take this a step further then, okay? And so there was an email that comes out from Doug, like when everything goes down and he is being asked to speak to stuff, he sends this email out, okay? And in that email, there's a few different times in which knitted families are mentioned. So this first time, he's writing this letter to one of the overseers. And when he signs off on the email, he says, I love you and your wife. I love your children, the biological and the knit children. Then the kids are mentioned by name. So these are actual children being raised by somebody else. So in this case, it does sound adoptive. I don't, think there was an adoption right no but but the it it seems like we now have at least three wildly different interpretations of what it means to be knit to a person yes and i listen i don't know what the situation is here like i don't know what the original family structure was like for these children that are now knit into this other family but if that was just a casual, like, we'll be taking care of your children now type deal, you're clearly not capable. <sighs> well, that's a little troubling. <laughs> I mean, you got to go through the appropriate channels, but it, I think, to be doing that. <laughs> but it's also not really at all accurate to the way Doug describes what it means to be knit to somebody. That's correct.
it is something God chooses and that it's like, he's like, I don't even want to be knit to this, to this guy. Like it, this is beyond us and it's us. And, and we have a pairing that is unlike anything. Like it's not another kid. We, you can join the family. We'll be a little knit to you. Like that's very different. As yeah. If that's what it was, you know, that's not. Yeah. And also, you know, for a lot of these pairings, these people didn't all independently say, I feel like God is speaking to me. Uh, Doug was like, God is speaking to me. And you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So, boy, that is a very good point. That is, this is a completely different scenario. So clearly it was like what would work in the moment. Well, I guess that is the the common thread between all of these. Because I'm trying to figure out like on an academic level, what are we talking about? Maybe the common thread is just if Doug is the one who is getting the message, then it can be anything as long as yeah like or at least he approves yeah then it's then it's the voice of god through doug it doesn't need to be consistent in anything other than that right yeah (sighs) and like again i don't know like with this situation with these children what the situation was Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know taking kids from one family and putting them in another family that feels like real reckless, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you okay? It It is a remarkable um, element to successfully introduce into your church. Setting aside whether or not you believe the legitimacy of God's choosing these. Like, w- for all practical purposes, what is happening is that Doug is bestowed with an authority to link people into a relationships that are more powerful than any other relationships they could have in their life. That is the practical end of what it means to for knitting to be happening in this church. If, if Doug is the one doling these out. Yeah. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of power. Yeah. So let's go back to Doug and Nate. Okay. On Wednesday, March 12th, 2014, Doug sends out to the church email list. Hey there. We wanted to let you know that we have a new email address that should end a lot of confusion for everybody. Doug and Nate at (laughs) valleybrookchurch.org. No more CCs and reply alls. Our other email accounts are being shut down and you can email us at this address. It's going to make make it a lot easier for us too. love you guys, Doug and Nate. I think this probably answers all your questions. I know you're confused. So here's a new joint email address that we'll be using. Listen, the person who shared that with me has has kept that email since 2014. It's, it's- like... They identified that in the moment as being so weird <laughs> that they had to save it. Like, I can't. It it doesn't sound like what he's saying is like, hey, 
as you know, we're knit, so it makes sense for us to share this email. He's like, you know, the CCs and the and the BCCs, like crazy, am I right? We actually just have one email address now, so this should clear up all the red tape. What is really at the heart of that is yes, they just are, just send it to us, you know, everybody knows why. Okay, so I'm going to return back to this email that I just mentioned, the one where the knit children are mentioned. So this is a letter. Doug is explaining in this email, whole thing is justifying, you know, like how he's not sorry for many things. You know, it's one of these things where blah, 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 blah. However, I'm not sorry for this. I'm not sorry for this. And at the end, he says, most of all, I do not apologize for being knit to Nate and living out our calling together. And Robin and I, his wife, do not apologize for legally adopting him as our son, which is one of the greatest joys our entire family has ever experienced. Now, let me tell you, the congregation did not know about this. This guy's so fucking weird. <laughs> until this all melted down. Yeah. <laughs> he legally adopted Nate. N- nobody knew about it until he indignantly professed that he's not sorry about doing it. I'm not sure if um, it might have been known before that moment. I can't say for sure when exactly that Mm -hmm. it could have been when that crisis report was being read although I don't think that actually comes up in there because I think this might be the first time I'm telling people listening that that's the case Um, which would be so shocking to hear as a church member I cannot imagine reflecting back on just it would it's like um okay this this is me like revealing something about my personal life for a minute and not minimizing this I'm not making this funny but there is a season of 90 day fiance where one of the women is sitting on a bed and talking to the producers And the guy that has come to America to presumably marry her within 90 days, like storms out and is leaving. And they're asking her, like, what are you going to do? And she then confesses that they've already been married to each other. And you're sitting there like, what? These two people are supposed to be working up to like a wedding day. Real paradigm shifting moment where, yeah, uh, oh, the, this has been different. This has, has been completely different than the way you thought it was. Yeah. And then it's like, time. oh my gosh, you realize. I'm glad we've we've planted that as a reference point we can use for yes. paradigm shifting moments. The 90 day fiance, I was already married. Moment. Yes. Because you and I definitely don't watch that show together. <laughs> so, all right. I I just imagine that this must have been like, you know, so that gets said. Well, again, and I I don't mean to keep ragging on it, but like it only further confuses the concept. 
because I didn't, I mean, I didn't get the sense necessarily that Doug and Nate, that their relationship was a father's. Yes. Yeah. So, and and Nate's grown an adult. Yes. Okay. Uh, It's strange. (laughs) Maybe an understatement, but like, is that, why would you do, like, why would you feel like you need to, what would that change? And why would you feel like, well, I mean, I think this could be helpful. This okay. next part, okay? I was so excited for this episode. Now I'm just like stumbling through the woods. I'm so confused. Are you? What are you so confused about? Just, just the the. I I thought there was going to be like this book from the '60s is actually where the idea mm. comes from, and I'd have a foundation to stand on. And it's like it's just it's like standing on Jello. I'm slipping and sliding and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and well... Now he's adopted, and I don't know, like, now I have to, like, change the way I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, we started the episode with an article from the Leader Telegram. We're going to end it with another one. An article that came out in April on the 19th, 2015. It's called, He's Under a Spell. Parents Devastated Over Their Adult Son's Rejection of Them. Obsessive Devotion to Ex-Valley Brook Pastor. Kadat. Growing up on Eau Claire's north side, Nate Hagedorn loved to play video games, hunt with his dad, play sports with his mom as a team parent, and go boating on the Chippewa River with his grandparents. His mom, Jody, coached him in youth soccer, and his dad, Bob, was the skipper of his baseball team. It was a typical happy Wisconsin childhood for a boy who, in his parents' eyes, was extraordinary for his loving, introspective way. But shockingly, Nate, 32, has cut off all contact with his family and earlier this year allowed himself to be legally adopted by his mentor, the former lead pastor at Valley Brook Church in downtown Eau Claire. The Hagedorns believe Nate and the others were, quote, brainwashed by Lubsack into believing his methods, which also included, quote, knitting together many pairs of unrelated people in the congregation, were a legitimate means to a holy end. Lebsack and Nate, although they both have wives and children of their own, were among the duos supposedly spiritually knit together at the church. We feel his free will has been stripped from him, if that's possible, and he doesn't have the mind to say, this is icky, I don't like it. Jody, 55 at that time, said recently in an interview at the couple's home east of Lake Wissota in rural Chippewa County. The Converge report stated that the knitting relationship between Lubsack and Nate, quote, became a normative doctrinal point within Valleybrook Church with no biblical basis. It said parishioners indicated the pair shared an email account, which we know, attended all meetings together and reportedly spent all their waking hours together. A lot of people have been hurt, and that's a big deal for us, said Bob, 56, who's the dad. But these other people who have been hurt, they're mending or however they're doing it with their families. But our son, he's still in the mess. The Hagedorns acknowledge feeling badly about Nate's complicit role in the alleged abuse at Valley Brook, even though they are convinced he was also a victim. He's our son, and he's like this little disciple of this guy, Bob said, shaking his head ruefully. I know Doug loves me. I love him. He's really a mentor to me, a brother to me, um, someone I really look up to. And I know he knows I love him back. But this Jonathan and David thing, like I didn't even understand the implications of what that meant. So I just took it in. 
I, I, I go home. I don't even think I told Jess about it because it didn't even it didn't even register for me. It's just like, oh, awesome. We're supposed to be Jonathan and David. That's going to be we're going to be really close at the office. This is going to be a really good good time. Well, maybe we'll teach together sometime, or you know, like I'll learn a lot of stuff. And the next day, seeing the serious look on Doug's face again, knowing how seriously he takes what God tells him to do and what God shows him in obedience and in me learning how to be obedient to, to what God's showing me. But I, I agreed with Doug and he told me again, he said, um, buddy, like this is real. I started to doubt. I started to, is this knitting thing even real? That's just a story. That's not really good. That can't really happen nowadays. There's no way God would do anything like that. But, but I knew it. And, and Doug was talking about how you don't even realize how knit you are to somebody until you try to get away. I could not get away. And it wasn't Doug pinning me down in his office. I couldn't get away. I, physically, I got, I could get away, but I couldn't get away inside. God kept pointing me back to Doug. God kept pointing me back to truth. I tried hard. I tried hard to get away. I couldn't get away. And that's when you, that is when you really realize that you can't get away and how knit you really are because God has done this. I've had to lay down everything to be knit to this man. And so is he. I do not have a life anymore. I don't. The life that I thought I wanted and, and dreamed for, I do not get because God has called me to this. And I have more life now than I ever thought I'd ever have. Yep. Nate's saga began about 10 years ago when an ex-girlfriend introduced him to Valleybrook. At that time, he had a rainbow-colored mohawk that his mother helped him create. The 2001 North High School graduate began as a church drummer and then quickly moved up the ranks to leading a youth group and ultimately to becoming co-lead pastor. Initially, his parents thought it seemed like a good fit. He'd play drums and we'd go and watch once in a while, said Bob, who even helped Nate build a stand for the church drum set. We were proud of what he was doing. He was moving forward with God and that was great. But as Nate became increasingly immersed in Valleybrook affairs, he slowly began withdrawing from his parents and two younger brothers, Jody said. Jody and Bob tried not to make too much of it until one day in 2009, seemingly out of the blue, went on a walk with Jody. Nate informed her that she no longer would be permitted to be alone with her grandchildren. Nate explained to his wounded mother the step was necessary to make his wife Jessica and him feel safe. In retrospect, Jody is convinced it was Lubsack's first attempt to have Nate cut ties with his family. Doug had Nate believing I was an evil person, Jody said. In addition to withdrawing from his family and friends, Nate quit everything he always enjoyed doing, including softball, snowboarding, hunting, fishing, and woodworking, Bob said. Seated on a living room couch below family pictures and included a smiling Nate and his brothers, Jody wiped away tears as she reflected on the changes in her firstborn. Here is this gentle, meek, childlike soul that's been manipulated to the point where he doesn't even know who he is, Jody said, her voice cracking. In September 2013, Nate met Bob and Jody at an Eau Claire restaurant and informed them, with no discussion or explanation, that he loved them but no longer would have anything to do with them. Jody recalled Nate calling Lubsack his best friend and saying he loved the man. At the same moment, the Hagedorns knew their grandchildren were in the care of Lubsack and his wife. Bob and Jody still invited Nate and his family to their home for Thanksgiving later that fall in hopes their son would have reconsidered his demand 
Instead, they received an email rejecting the invitation and alleging they neglected and manipulated him during his childhood, which we will get to this, but this is textbook wounded stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nate's email went on to say he had made the decision that he and his family would not attend any family functions in the future and then asked his parents not to stop at his home or attempt to contact him. Reading about the false charges and the depressing decision made her stomach drop, Jody said. It's like getting thrown under the bus, Bob said. They're saying these things about your family, and they're not even close to true, and they're doing it in the name of God. The letter 18 months ago was the last contact the Hagedorns had with their son. After researching cults and discussing their plight with friends, the couple admittedly pulled back a little, thinking maybe just maybe giving Nate a little space would make him more likely to eventually reunite with them. We didn't know how to intervene, Bob said. We didn't want to drive him further away. The situation got even worse for the Hagedorns in February when Lebsack and his wife finalized their adoption of Nate. After hearing speculation about the step, Bob and Jody recalled going to the Eau Claire County Courthouse, requesting a copy of the original birth certificate for Nathaniel Hagedorn and finding no record of it. Are you sure he was born in Eau Claire, they were asked. Eventually, they obtained a copy of a new birth certificate listing Doug and Robin Lebsack as Nate's parents and showing Nate, who is married and has four kids on his own, had changed his name to Nate Robert Lebsack. For the shell-shocked Hagdorns, it was as if they had never been in his son's life. That gets a little surreal, Jody said. Despite all the pain and heartbreak associated with Nate's separation from his family, the Hagedorns hope he somehow gets the message that if he ever shakes free from what they see as Lubsack's mind control, they would always welcome him back into their lives, which I know is how they still feel. Through it all, one thing has never changed. We want our son to know we love him unconditionally, always have, always will. Oh my God, that is devastating. Yeah, it almost makes me want to cry just reading the last part of it. The part about going to request your son's birth certificate and they don't like, have it's one. It's like some out of a nightmare. I Okay. Can I ask now, is there is the situation still the same as yes. far as Nate and his parents? It's unchanged? Yes. Well, it also, I want to say, it does kind of answer a question, which is why the adoption. And it kind of... To hear that, it sounds like it's a just a final sort of way to disconnect this person from their family that, yeah, yeah. you kind of just erase their birth family. Like, it, it's a, a way to legally, like, formalize this thing you've done. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... It's really sad and like what a testament being a parent myself that like you're going to just leave that door open, you know, a testament to just the unconditional love you have for your kids and like the hope that maybe someday, you know, and as we get farther into the series, like you will hear where they are now and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into that now, but... Like, I will tell listeners that that situation persists in all ways. Nate and Doug are still together. 
and Nate is still estranged from his family. Yeah, it is. How strange! Like uh, he sounded like a like a young punk to to have him. The way that you lose that a child like that to be like this is so. Yeah, like a mom who tragic. helped you color your mohawk. Uh, yeah. How cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like obviously then parents who would be open to different avenues you go down and then this is what's at the end of it. You know. So yes, uh we'll talk some more about knitting, but we're also going to be moving into wounded, some other things that my personal feeling is that wounded plants the seeds that makes it easier for things like knitting, I think, to be accepted. Yeah. You know? So, you know, if you start to get the seeds planted in a bunch of people that their families are were abusive, abusive in one way or another, then it's a lot easier for people to accept the fact that people could be knit yeah, and especially it makes sense now the way you said that if if you have in your church community recently been witness to the lead pastor like introducing this concept to you yeah. that he's knit to to the other, you know, it normalizes what might happen to you later after you've gone through your wounded course. Now there's there is like a a precedent for this replacement relationship or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll be back with more. Yep. And um, thanks to folks who have shared their documents with us, you know, because that's been anonymous, you know, that some of the documentation mm-hmm. I share, like I forget that I still would like to thank those people who have shared their documentation with me. We'll again share the link so you can read more of the leader telegram articles that I, I cite here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See you so, next time. Stay tuned. I want to end this today by being really vulnerable with you. I can do that today. I can open my heart like this because you're sitting next to me because I've never been able to do this kind of thing before. So over the past eight years, you guys have come to Valley Brook church and you found a safe place. You found a place to get well. And for a lot of you, I was the first person who ever really saw you. I was the first person who ever really loved you. I'm the first person a lot of you ever told your story to. Things that you thought would never come out of your mouth. You've told those things to me. And I was, I was trusted and it was safe for you. Whatever it took for you to get well, I fought for you. I prayed for you. I loved you the very best. I knew how to do. I breathed permission into you. And now it's my turn. I finally get to experience the Valley Brook Church that you've experienced and that you've known. I get to get well too. So God has given Nate to me to be to me what I've been to all of you. So here's what I need from you. Will you see what God has done here and call it good? Because here's the truth. Being knit to Nate has been one of the best things God has ever done for me. Even though I really bucked it at first. My marriage has been healed in a big way. Robin is a huge fan of this. 
I know not, God's not going to knit you but your heart to another person like he's done here. This is super unusual. You don't even have to be afraid of that. <laughs> really. <laughs> That's not on the table for you. But here's what is on the table. To look at your relationships with God. Your relationship with people in your life, your relationship with this church, your relationship to money, your relationship to time, your relationship to all these things in your life. Okay, God, show me. I want the selfishness to go. Chosen is presented by Cool and Unusual Punishment. Research and interviewing by Jody Haas, with editing and mixing by Tyler Haas. Our theme music for the series is by Zave Lee, with additional music by John Wright, Aiton Epstein, AG Music, and Christian Ayan. This podcast is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Network, a coalition of Wisconsin-produced shows that you can find at nerdandtie.com. Our website, where you can find links to the material and documents we referenced, as well as full audio of the August 2013 Valleybrook sermon you've been hearing clips of throughout this episode, is coolandunusualpunishment.com. Hey, look, I love my wife, but...